welcome back to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law and a lot of things in between. And today, that thing in between is sports. Yes, that's right, Passing Judgment listeners. Co-host and producer Joe has convinced me that it is important that we talk about sports and we have the perfect person to talk to you about that with. I'm your host, Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson, and we are joined by Dave Zirin. Dave is the sports editor for The Nation, the host of the Edge of Sports podcast, a prolific author. He has published 10 books, including most recently, Jim Brown, The Last Man Standing. Welcome, Dave. Thank you for breathing some sports air into this podcast, and thank you for passing judgment with us. Oh, no problem. I hope it's not too much hot air. I'm sure it will not be at all. Topic number one. Georgia passes a restrictive voting law, which we've talked about this on the podcast from a political standpoint and from a legal standpoint, and Major League Baseball pulls out of an all-star game, pulls an all-star game from Georgia. A quick reminder about what the law does. It adds new voter identification requirements for vote by mail. It limits the use of ballot drop boxes. It gives more authority to state election officials. And it makes it a misdemeanor for groups to offer food or water to voters in line. Now, again, the Major League Baseball pulls an all-star game from Georgia. Were you surprised? Uh, I was, in fact, surprised. I was surprised that it happened so rapidly. Um, I'd written a column a few days earlier talking about how awkward it would be on April 15th, which is Major League Baseball's annual Jackie Robinson Day, where they commemorate the breaking of the color barrier uh, in Major League Baseball uh, in 1947 by the great Jackie Robinson. And every player wears number 42, a number that's retired in parks around the country. And they speak about Robinson's legacy. Now, to to celebrate Jackie Robinson while at the same time Uh, having this question looming over the entire first half of the season because managers, uh, players had already started speaking out about, you know, why why are we doing the All-Star game in Georgia? So it was already uh, growing to a crescendo. And I just don't think they could stand the cognitive dissonance at play of celebrating Jackie Robinson, of also celebrating uh, the late Henry Aaron, who died in the offseason, who's... um, one of Atlanta's, you know, brightest lights. Um, they just couldn't do it. And so the all-star game is gone. So I'm not surprised that major league baseball buckled, but they're an incredibly conservative institution. So I am surprised they did so quickly. I think you answered my next question, which is if it weren't for Jackie Robinson and honoring Hank Aaron's as a pioneering black baseball player, uh, in this particular game, do you think we would have had the same result or was it, as you said, was it just basically too awkward to hold that uh, particular game in Georgia where the law is expected to have a disproportionate impact on voters of color? Yeah, it, it was just, I think the weight of it was just too much because the problem that people skewer major league baseball with every year when they speak about Jackie Robinson or celebrate Jackie Robinson day, people always point out quite, correctly, well, what are you doing to advance the cause of racial justice, racial equity? What are you doing? 
how many black executives are there in the major league baseball front office? Like how many uh, black managers are there? Like what kind of pipeline is there to develop uh, young kids um, in black communities in the United States to actually play and like baseball? Because that connection has been severed over the last generation as baseball clubs have been expunged and dried up in our cities. That's just a tragedy and another discussion, but major league baseball could be having that and leading that discussion instead of just, you know, celebrating Jackie Robinson in this empty way. And so, so that means in the most placid of times, major league baseball gets skewered for their uh, hypocrisy around race and around civil rights I think this year it just would have been overwhelming. They, their backs could not have stood the weight uh, of the hypocrisy at play if they'd gone ahead and had the game in Atlanta. Yeah, and if I'm correct, it wasn't until 1947 when the Brooklyn Dodgers signed Jackie Robinson that Major League Baseball was racially integrated to any extent. And you know, you bring up this issue of basically empty, symbolic offers of being honored, but then there's very little behind it. And I mean, there's so many corollaries, other aspects of our society. Absolutely. And that actually brings up something else I wanted to talk about, which is this, the symbolism of this. It does seem like it's a big deal. You've just educated us and said, look, Major League Baseball is conservative, that it's not just that there are owners across the political spectrum, but that it's in some ways, if I understood you correctly, dominated by conservatives. Is this just a, a one-off symbolic moment? So, you know, Major League Baseball can say, look what we did. We honor Jackie Robinson. We're going to have a day to honor Hank Aaron. And we pulled that game out of Georgia. And now we're done. Well, a couple of things. Like, first, when you talk about baseball being conservative, it, it's not just uh, the folks in the owner's box, although they certainly do stray to that part of the political spectrum. Um, it's also just institutionally conservative, like how it's viewed by the culture, conservative. It's fan base, more conservative. Uh, the rules that it follows, like what they call the unwritten rules of the game, you know, very conservative. Like, for example, if you flip your bat, you know, the pitcher might throw at you or the next time you're up at the plate because you're not supposed to flip your bat, you know, because it's considered showing somebody up. These are like the old rules of Major League Baseball. So it's, as an institution, extremely conservative, which is why I didn't think they would move so quickly on this. And which is also why I think the, the right wing is completely freaking out about Major League Baseball's move, because you can't call Major League Baseball the woke mob, although, of course, they'll try, or like that it's been taken over by far-left radicals. This is Major League Baseball. This is apple pie. This is Norman Rockwell. And so to have that as an institution say, wow, Georgia, what you're doing is, is undemocratic and unacceptable. Um, that's amazing. That's a big deal. And it's a much bigger deal than just doing something that's empty and symbolic. This is certainly symbolic, but it also comes with real political weight. So... This brings up a couple of questions, and maybe I'll come at this question in a variety of different ways, but why did they do this? Is this because they felt pressure? I mean, the criticism is, well, they bowed to liberal political pressure. Uh, is it because they think this is the right thing to do? Is it because they think they'll actually gain supporters if they make this decision so it's more like a business judgment? Is it a combination of all these things? Do we not know exactly what their motivation oh. is? 
you know, we've got a good idea. I've done some reporting. Some other folks have done some reporting. And what we know is that Major League Baseball was getting a lot of pressure from their corporate sponsors saying, we don't want to be associated with anything, Georgia. Like that, that is a, that is toxic right now. And we don't want to be associated with that. And so that was a big financial pressure on Major League Baseball. Um, another pressure though on Major League Baseball is that what they're, they're trying to desperately attract a younger audience. Major League Baseball's audience is aging. If, if we talk about the big four sports, uh, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, let's call those the big four sports. Baseball is by far has the oldest fan base. So baseball can't look so old that they don't understand why young people might not like the fact that they're playing this game in Georgia. I mean, they want to appeal to a young generation uh, that is more diverse and less tolerant of intolerance, you know, and they're trying to make a play for that. And you're not going to do it by looking like you're standing with Jim Crow 2.0. Right. To use, I think, Stacey Abrams' words when she described this particular Georgia law. And President Joe Biden, of course, said this is Jim Crow in the 21st century, which are very stark words for him. Do you think that this is going to be the beginning of us seeing more of this when it comes to sporting events? I, In thinking back, and again, uh, I don't think this is a secret to listeners, I'm not a expert in sports, but I remember, I believe it was the N- NBA and NCAA who both said we're not going to play in North Carolina after they passed that so-called, you know, bathroom ban with respect to transgender people. And then they came back after North Carolina um, lifted the ban. Are there other examples of this happening in the past where it'd be one of the quote unquote big four that say, no, we're out. Yeah, this is not new, which is another funny thing about people who are saying, you know, how dare major league baseball try to, use its business power to try to apply political pressure. Um, You know, this is not a new thing. Uh, The NFL uh, refused to hold the Super Bowl in Arizona. They made this decision in 1991, and the 93 Super Bowl was going to happen there because the state of Arizona wouldn't recognize uh, Martin Luther King's birthday as, as a holiday. And, you know, then there was another referendum after the NFL made that decision, and it actually passed. And people actually credit the NFL doing that as something that pushed, uh, that that actually changed uh, the general public's thinking in Arizona about that. Um, You know, one one example that I would give is, you know, the city of Atlanta itself. Like, Atlanta was segregated um, in terms of how people would sit at baseball games. And when um, the Milwaukee team was moving to Atlanta, one of Major League Baseball's insistences insistence was that uh, the stands actually be integrated. So, you know, so that was political pressure to desegregate the park so the Atlanta Braves could even have a darn team. So, yeah, the roots of this actually run deep um, in sports. So do you think that maybe this is a strange question, but in trying to implement political change and trying to work towards more equality, I mean, have some political activists missed the boat by not trying to target the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA more? I mean, if they're actually quite effective at implementing change, is that an avenue that we should be maybe pressuring them, lobbying them even harder to say, well, there was a, you know, kind of fill in the blank. Is this a new place where we should send political activists? 
yeah, and it's been a new place where we should send political activists. I mean, going back, uh, wow, a hundred years. I mean, so not so new as it turns out. Yeah. Like from, from Jack Johnson's efforts to become the first black heavyweight champion and having to face racism to make that, you know, and confront racism and defeat racism to get the opportunity and to win to Jackie Robinson and the civil rights movement, Muhammad Ali in the sixties, Billie Jean King, Martina Navratilova, um, the, 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 the power of trans athletes and how they're challenging uh, gender normative thinking in the athletic field. I mean, it's there, there's so much politics in sports that, you know, you can barely even get your head around it all. And, I, and I've long thought particularly that, that unions um, should make more of an effort because these are unionized workplaces. You have the NFL Players Association, the Major League Baseball Players Association. These are strong unions. And I think the union movement, not seeing them as sports unions, but actually, you know, p- part of the, the the family of unions, I think is also something very important. So again, we're talking with Dave Zyron. He is the sports editor for The Nation, the host of the Edge of Sports podcast, the author of more than 10 books, including Jim Brown, The Last Man Standing. And we're talking about the decision by Major League Baseball to move an all-star game out of Georgia in light of Georgia's new voting restrictions. And we've talked a little bit, Dave, about the history, but I'm I'm going to take another pass at this a little bit, which is to ask, I can't remember Major League Baseball doing something akin to this in the past. So to use a couple of um, feline analogies, I mean, is the cat out of the bag uh, and or have we opened Pandora's box now, meaning once you do this, then this is our new normal when it comes to Major League Baseball or the NFL, that everything has become so politicized in our country. Um, we will now support and or begrudge any team that plays in a state where we, th- we take issue with their laws. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is where we are. I mean, it's also hard to get the wine back into the bottle. Uh, Thank you. I needed that one. Yes. I like the wine bottle one because, you know, I could see someone try to put wine back into a bottle and have it be just a disaster. And I think you're going to see that in baseball and in other sports in the years to come. They will try to put that wine back in the bottle and say, we're going to roll back the politics. You know, we want to appeal to as broad a demographic as possible. We want to make sure everybody feels like they belong here. But you're going to have players now who have this expectation. And players tend to have very different politics than ownership. And so th- there's there stands to be at least a lot of serious friction in the years to come. Right. And we're already seeing this a little bit right now. I think there are restrictive voting laws pending in Texas and Florida and in many other states, if we talked about on the podcast. And it looks like American Airlines and Dell um, have both voiced opposition to the Texas bill. In fact, earlier than we heard, I think, the private corporate opposition mm-hmm. to the Georgia bill. So um, maybe the wine is just uh, spilling all over the place at this point. I would like to note that there are two things in life that I know very little about, um, and that is sports and wine. So I appreciate you bringing us to oh. that particular point. <laughs> if Yeah. I mean, w- what I know about wine couldn't fill a shot glass, so we can put I- that to the side. But 
Um, I so- actually, I, I knew enough to understand that. Um, yeah, well, that's just ooze, though. <laughs> well, I mean, fair enough. So are you worried that there is going – this is a backlash to the voting law. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Democrats are united essentially against Georgia's voting law, but not united against this decision by Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams, uh, who famously ran for governor in – Georgia said that she was disappointed. What are Democratic politicians, politicians who are against the voting law, what are they worried about by saying, oh, I, I wish this didn't happen? Well, it's it's an interesting divide because, I mean, you, you can't get higher on the Democratic Party food chain than uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And th- they both said, you know, yeah, we it's it's actually a good thing that it's moving. Obama said it honors the spirit of Henry Aaron. And, and so, so that, that's a lot. And I, th- I think the politicians in Georgia, um, both Stacey Abrams, uh, John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock, they, they have all, they've, they've had a very united message. You know, they've put the blame for what major league baseball did not on major league baseball, but on the legislation itself and saying it's, it's outrageous that we have this kind of legislation that causes um, organizations and businesses like Major League Baseball to to want to leave the state. But since they are local politicians, they, they can't say we're glad they're leaving and taking their millions of dollars with them. I mean, that would be political poison. So I think they need to say what they need to say from inside of Georgia and people you know, outside I think, you know, have a role to play in support being public about supporting Major League Baseball. And I'll just throw out there, a lot of folks have remarked on this, that baseball Twitter, as it's called, and there there is such a thing, baseball Twitter, has been surprisingly mild in response to Major League Baseball's decision. You know, not nearly some of the vitriol that people um, expected. So you never know how this one's going to shake out. All right. I don't know what the answer to this is, but I think that you and I should have a bet on what gets more heated, quote unquote, academic Twitter or baseball Twitter. And at the end of the on the academic Twitter. So, oh, I mean, suit up. It gets nasty. (laughs) Um, I don't want to let you go without talking about another big sports story. And this is where I am maybe on slightly more comfortable grounds, which is. Uh, the Supreme Court, a few days ago, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case called NCAA versus Alston. And the broad issue deals with NCAA eligibility uh, rules about compensation of student athletes, which is that they can't be compensated and whether or not those violate antitrust laws. Aside from the legal questions here, I'm just curious to get your policy view on whether or not student athletes should be compensated. Yes, they are campus workers. They produce billions of dollars in wealth. The idea that there's this constitutional carve out where they're basically in a cartel and can't get paid for their labors is an absurdity. So what do you really think about it? Now, I, the, the fact that you said cartel and absurdity, I'm going to take that as a, a strong opinion. It's a strong opinion forged over many, 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 many years. Even the phrase, I got to say, student athlete, I mean, that, that, that was a legal term made up by NCAA lawyers after a football player died on the field and his wife tried to sue for 
uh, workers' compensation. And they said no, because he's not a worker. He's a student athlete. That's right. Uh, we will have a decision on that case probably before uh, July 4th, before June 30th. We'll be watching that. It obviously deals not just with policy, but with federal antitrust law as well. And as we wrap up the podcast, our listeners know that I like to end by asking my guests the same three questions, uh, which in this case may or may not have anything to do with sports and politics. The first one is, which famous person, dead or alive, would you want to invite to a dinner party and why? Oh, my goodness. I was asked this in my um, when I was applying to college. But now, gosh, I think I'd say Curtis Mayfield. Question number two. You're going to be stranded on a desert island and you can bring one meal. What is it? Oh, man. Uh, I think... The one meal I'd have to bring is there's this place here called Santucci's and they do an Italian sub that would absolutely melt it. It would, it would melt in the mouth of the abominable snowman. It's just amazing stuff. So I would say an Italian sub from Santucci's. You get one superpower for one hour. Question number three, what is it and why? The power to love. No, I'm just kidding. Um, how could anyone go be against flying? You know, we must feel so earthbound. That is actually a popular, oh. um, a popular answer, particularly now when I think we're not only earthbound, but we're so much more Homebound. constrained than we used to be. Dave Zirin, I had a wonderful time passing judgment with you. Thank you for joining us. Oh man, I wanted more questions. That was awesome. You can find Dave on Twitter at Edge of Sports. You can find me on Twitter at Levinson Jessica, the podcast on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod, and on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. I keep promising that we are going to join TikTok. We have, we haven't posted because I am um, being dragged kicking and screaming into that particular medium, but I very much look forward to embracing it once we're finally on. Thank you to our listeners for your support. We love having these conversations with you, even ones about topics that I used to about 30 minutes ago know very little about, but now feel very much better educated. We wish everybody a great day. Bye.